What you believe about yourself and your life is likely not based in reality, but in bullshit stories that you did not consent to, pieced together throughout your life with ideas offered to you from external sources. This podcast is here to help you recognize and dismantle those stories so you can reclaim your power and achieve what you want in life. Welcome to Yeah, I Made That Up with life and business coach, Kelly Jackson. Hi, I love you. And I am so hopeful that this technology works out for us today. This is like the fourth time that I've recorded this episode. I don't know what's happening, but here we go. So um, I'm going to give you a little bit of a content warning for this week's stuff here, because what I'm going to do is share a couple of excerpts from a brilliant book that discuss rat research. And I know that animal rights and research is a touchy subject for some. So just be aware that's coming up. It's not like, you know, detailed or anything, uh, but you know, make your own decisions. Um, these excerpts come from the book Burnout, The Secret to Unlocking the Stress Cycle by Emily Nagoski, PhD, and Amelia Nagoski, DMA. And if you have not read it, I'm going to need you to stop everything and do so right now. <laughs> Seriously, it's our April book club for the Rexy Collective. And it is absolutely worth your time. It's also available via audiobook if that's your jam. And I know this because it is my jam and all of the Rexy books are required to be available via audiobook. That is something I will not compromise on. Not all of the supplemental recommendations are, but the books we read for the book club absolutely are. So anyway, these excerpts, why am I sharing them with you? Because they were the inspiration for what we're talking about this week. Um, I've read this book, oh gosh, three or four times now. And as I was reading this part, this last time, I was actually on a plane back from coming back from New York, um, where I was teaching at a coaching conference. And uh, I was reading this part of the book and I was like, oh my gosh, this so resonates with some stuff that people like to say about direct sales when they really don't know what the fuck they're talking about. So <laughs> um, the background context, I think, is pretty important. And if you have the book, we are starting in part two called The Real Enemy, chapter four, called The Game is Rigged, and we're on page 79. Okay, imagine two rats. Rat number one, let's call him Ralph the Rat, only pronounced Rafe, like Rafe Fines. In fact, let's say it's not a rat, it actually is Rafe Fines. He's in a box. It's called a shuttle box with a floor that periodically electrocutes his feet. It's not painful, but it is uncomfortable. Rafe hates being electrocuted and he wants to get out of there every time it happens. Fortunately for him, after the zapping begins, a little door opens briefly and he can make a run for it. He escapes his dopamine levels double and his monitor quickly learns that escaping the shock is an attainable goal. He has overcome adversity and learned that he can make a difference in his situation. 
Rat number two, we'll call him Colin. And let's make it Colin Firth, because why not? Is not in a box. He's in a tank of water for the forced swim test. You can tell it's bad just by the name, right? Colin, like most rats, can swim. He did it in Pride and Prejudice and A Single Man, but he doesn't love it. He'd like to get out of the water as soon as possible. So he swims and swims and swims and never reaches dry land. As he keeps failing, he gets frustrated and then desperate, foopy, and ultimately... Colin's monitor switches its assessment of his goal from potentially attainable to unattainable. His dopamine levels drop by half. He feels helpless, and he just floats in a last-ditch effort to reserve energy until there's any sign of dry land. Here's maybe the saddest part about this. If we take Colin out of the water dry him off, and put him into the shuttle box, he will not even try to escape the shock, though the door is right there. In the shuttle box, Colin could escape if he tried, but he can't try. His brain has learned that trying doesn't work, that nothing he does makes a difference. And so he has lost the ability to try. This inability to try is called learned helplessness. Animals, including humans, who repeatedly find themselves in bad situations from which they can't escape, may not even try to escape, even when the opportunity is given to them. When an animal has learned helplessness. It goes straight past frustration, right to the pit of despair. It's not a rational choice. Their central nervous system has learned that when they are suffering, nothing they can do will make a difference. They have learned they are helpless. Their only available route for self-preservation is not to try. In continuing with these excerpts, beginning on page 80, they discuss how just knowing that the game is rigged can help you feel better right away. And that's part of what this week is about, understanding that the game is rigged. But which game? In the book, they mention and describe a few ways that the patriarchy is a rigged game against women. And I do want to mention that when they use gendered language in their own research and as it relates to patriarchal constructs having an impact on women, they are using the term women very inclusively. So everyone socialized as a woman, everyone who is a woman, (laughs) in all that that means. Um, So I just want to make that very clear. But they do, they mention and describe a few of the ways that the patriarchy is a rigged game against women, and they list explicit misogyny, sex and relationship violence, 
body image and getting a word in edgewise. And it's in this last bit, starting on page 83, that they go back to the rat research. In rat research, these kinds of pervasive problems are called chronic mild stress. Rats may be deprived of food and water for unpredictable but not dangerous periods of time. Their cages tilted at a 45 degree angle for a few hours. Water poured on their bedding. Strobe lights flashed for hours at a time. Everything is just a little bit too hard so that every day, bit by bit, the survivable helplessness eats away at them. In human terms, researchers are creating for these rats a context of one damn thing after another. In the 21st century West, one damn thing after another is what being a woman often feels like. It's a constant, low-level stream of stressors that are out of your control. Most individual examples are little more than an annoyance, but they accumulate. Womanhood as a chronic low-level stress is even messier than it sounds for two reasons. First, it's very possible that female and male biologies respond differently to that stress. When male rats are exposed to these chronic mild stressors, their swim time in the forced swim drops in half pretty much right away. After six weeks, it drops in half again. Female rats, by contrast, take three weeks to drop their swim time in half. And it doesn't change after six weeks. Female rats exposed to chronic, mild stressors persist more than males do. They work harder in the face of difficulty. It takes twice as long for their brains to shift into helplessness. Even female rats, it seems, hashtag persist. And second, one of the stressors we experience is being told that we're not experiencing any more or different stress than men. One aspect of the patriarchy, ugh, is that in the modern West, it says it doesn't exist anymore. <sighs> okay, go by the book, go read the book, go listen to the book. Emily and Amelia Nagoski are brilliant. But again, as I was reading this, I was thinking about the direct sales industry and the fact that there is quite a bit about the industry that a whole lot of people get very, very wrong. And one of the things is about why women, primarily women anyway, though not exclusively women, get into the industry to begin with and what happens after they join. Poverty leads many women into the industry, and our fucked-up system of late-stage capitalism is what creates the systemic oppression of poverty. But the learned helplessness described in the excerpts I read to you 
prevents a lot of women from creating the financial freedom they sought out with direct sales. And what that even means, what they're looking for, doesn't necessarily mean some sort of like rich kind of person's fantasy. Okay. Oftentimes all it means is making ends meet. And that's also not to say that all women seek out the direct sales industry as a magic ticket out of poverty, because this isn't the case. And not all who join a direct sales company do it primarily for financial returns. There are a vast number of reasons people start a direct sales business and business isn't always the focus. But given the learned helplessness of the systemic oppression of poverty within our capitalistic system, patriarchy's one damn thing after another often compounds women's thought patterns about their own capabilities for financial success. When they think direct sales will be a magic wand to get them out of the rat race without even identifying that they've been a rat the whole time instead of a person with wants, needs, and inherent value. They enter into the industry just creating a different version of the rat race for themselves. Is this a predatory system? Sure, I'll agree to that. But it's not the direct sales companies and leaders who are the predators. It's the fucking patriarchy. It's late stage capitalism. It's systemic oppression. Direct sales, on the other hand, as an industry, can offer an incredibly feminist way out. But to escape the rat race and not turn a direct sales business into another version of learned helplessness that you'll then weaponize against yourself in your own negative self-talk. It takes a fuck ton of personal development. And that's available within the industry, but only in bite-sized chunks that offer little more than surface level ideas that sound good without much substantial, how the fuck do I do that guidance? To actually make the change and use a direct sales business as the catalyst for that change, it requires some in-depth internal work to dismantle internalized oppression. For some of us, many of us, that internalized oppression comes, at least in part, in the form of late-stage capitalism-induced poverty. Though there are plenty of other oppressive thought patterns that we've adopted from that capitalism, in addition to those of the rest of our heteronormative white supremacist patriarchal society. And that work generally can't be done alone. Because when we're alone, we're just swimming around in our own stories of learned helplessness. We can't see the reality of what's truly possible and what we're actually capable of. We can't see the door when the floor shocks us. Or if we do see it, we don't believe we can make it to the door. Because we've forgotten how to try. The game has been rigged against us for so long that we don't even recognize when we're in an entirely new game with a totally different set of rules when we start a drag sales business. And that we're the ones who's been making the rules to the new game all along. 
that's often where our uplines come in with training and cheerleading. But sometimes, and in fact, a lot of the time, that's not enough. Because when you're all in it, coming from the same rigged game, it's nearly impossible to see it all. So that is where I come in. An outside perspective with insider experience and the training to see what you've been hiding from yourself. I'll soon be offering team packages for my year-long in-depth coaching program to allow your team to grow together. And I'm so excited about this. And it'll start with a free live training for your direct sales team. The teams I've worked with so far have just been, (laughs) they've been incredible to work with. And so if you would like more information on this, get on my email list at pressurepointcoaching.com and you'll be the first to know when doors open. Let's get out of the race because we're not fucking rats and there really never was a race to begin with.